Welcome everyone to another episode of Sunset Flips and Super Kicks. It's been a long time coming, this episode, for two reasons. I haven't done one in fuck knows how long. And two, much like Hogan and Sting at Starcade 97, this particular podcast episode is 18 months in the making. I just hope it's not a flop like that match was. I recently just watched that and I'm still hot about it. That's the biggest piece of trash I've, I've seen ever. Um, today I'm going to be talking about WCW. Um, just random, random shit. Wanted to do one, like I said, probably for 18 months. Um, and it just never happened. Um, but now it is. Now it is. Um, I've been watching a lot of WCW pay-per-views recently. If you follow the Instagram page, you will have known that. Um, but that wasn't the reason behind doing this episode. This episode was always going to happen, regardless of what I've watched. It's just something that I've always wanted to talk about. And I've got a few things, uh, topics, I guess that I'm going to talk about, and this is just basically off the top of my head, from what I remember, um, from interviews I've seen, listened to, and videos I've watched, and stuff like that, and also just stuff that's happened during WCW, that I remember, and just my take on it, that's it, that's that's all it is, it's a podcast based on a matter of opinion, so if my opinion and yours doesn't match up, too bad, too bad, so I'm going to get into it with Starcade. I'm just going to talk about Starcade 97, because that's the most recent thing that I've watched, it all started when I watched World War 3, 97, um, just to watch Hennig and Flair and Mysterio and Guerrero, and I've never seen the World War 3 match, even though there's only been four, I think. Um, and during that match, all they could talk about was Hogan and Sting, Hogan and Sting, Hogan and Sting. And I thought, well, fuck, I've got to watch it now. And two hours before the match even started. Oh, the biggest match in pro wrestling history. Hogan versus Sting. Hogan versus Sting. This match is so overhyped. There's no way it would live up to expectation, especially when you got Hogan in there. You know, it, it could have with Sting, but Sting just wasn't Sting. That's, you know, he just wasn't himself. Um, out of shape. Even though the commentators were saying, look how look how fit he is and stuff like that. I get it. Still got to sell it. That's good. Well done. But I wasn't buying it at all. Um, Bischoff spoke about it on his podcast. I remember listening to that years ago and that's always just stuck with me. He was Sting was going through... I don't know, probably some personal stuff or whatever, but was just, I mean, there was one stage he kicked Hogan out of the ring and he's standing in the ring huffing and puffing out of breath. I mean, that's probably understandable. He hasn't wrestled for a year or 18 months. But then to come in to that and it just looked like giving no effort, even just when he was walking down the ramp, just wasn't into it at all. 
can't believe I'm going to say this, but Hogan was doing a good job, you know, for the match. And then the screw job, quote unquote. So Nick Patrick was basically an NWA referee, and he was the referee selected to referee this match. They made a big thing about it, which didn't really make that much sense to me. JJ Dillon came out and said the referee was selected at random and it's Nick Patrick. Like, why is that such a big deal? And he was supposed to do a fast count, one, two, three, really quick. Hagen hit the boot, the leg drop, and it was just a regular one, two, three count. I looked this up because I just had to... It's just what I do. I have to see what's going on, what people say. And there was one that said a lot of wrestlers believed that Hogan told Nick Patrick to do a regular count to make himself look good and in return make Sting look bad. So whether that's true or not, I don't know. I would believe it, but um, that's the first time I've heard that. So give me another year and if I just keep thinking about it, talking about it, whatever, I may change my mind on that. But I would I would believe that. I'm not saying I do necessarily right now. Um, and before the timekeeper could ring the bell, Bret Hart's there and stops him, you know, because it was a it was a fast count when it wasn't. It's just the most ridiculous thing. And then Hart throws Hogan back into the ring. Sting does a stinger splash, puts on the Scorpion Deathlock, and then Bret Hart calls for the bell when Hogan didn't tap. That's it. It's embarrassing. The word I used was embarrassing. It's fucking embarrassing. This was 23 years ago, still talking about it, so that's only because I watched it. But, yeah, that was just, you know, I thought Hogan and Warrior was bad from Halloween Havoc 98. That wasn't as bad as this that's just what I think on it and I want to talk about embarrassing what a way to bring in Bret Hart this guy is essentially the hottest free agent he's you know not really a free agent because he already signed with WCW but he got screwed in Montreal out of a title that he refused to drop to Shawn Michaels and then you bring him over to WCW to referee Bischoff versus Abisko. And then reenact the screw job against Hogan and Sting. Why wouldn't you just straight off the bat, okay, don't say when he's coming. You do Hogan versus Sting. You do it properly. You know, but then again, how could you do it properly when Sting comes in and he's not into it? So, that's another thing that I saw, They um, that I read. They had to change the finish based on Sting. Because he just, he wasn't, he wasn't ready. And he had 18 months to prepare for this match, but wasn't ready. But anyway, you you slap Sting around, you get him prepared for this match. You do it properly. 
And then you shotgun Bret Hart versus Hulk Hogan. But instead, I'm not too sure when, you put Bret Hart in the NWA. And you prevent the people from getting Hulk Hogan against Bret Hart. You could do Bret Hart versus Ric Flair. Bret Hart versus Sting. But instead, you just hide Bret Hart behind Hulk Hogan and you put him in the NWO. I can't even find out when he joined the NWO. Well, there you go. Hart wrestled Flair at sold out in his first match. But it still doesn't say. Oh, there we go. In April. He interfered in a Nitro main event between Hogan and Savage, helping Hogan recapture the heavyweight championship, joining the NWO. So still, what, three, four months? But in that three or four months, you don't put him against Hogan. Just misused. He was he was misused. And look, I don't like Bret Hart. I never have. I was just never into his style. But, I mean, come on. That's just... That, that's embarrassing. That is terrible. I think they had one match on Nitro. The two of them. Later on. And it ended in a DQ. Like, why wouldn't you... I don't know what WCW's WrestleMania pay-per-view is. You know, their biggest one. I don't know. Would it be Starcade? I guess. You know, or Bash at the Beach. Maybe one of those two. Why wouldn't you do a program Hogan vs. Hart? Instead, let's just put him in the NWO. Let's talk about the NWO. Let's just... This is just going everywhere. I've got stuff written down here. What I want to talk about... Whether I get through it or not, we'll see. Um, but I may just have to do another one if I don't get through it. Let's talk about the NWO. The, hands down, the greatest thing in professional wrestling. You know, you get, you get Scott Hall coming across in May, and then two weeks later, Kevin Nash coming. You know, and Scott Hall just comes out and is just like, where's Billionaire Ted? You know, where's the nacho man? Where's Scheme Gene? And he goes, you want to go to war? You go to war. Because, you know, people know who he was. They go, oh, this guy looks like Razor Ramon. You know, and then Kevin Nash comes. And then they've got the third man. And this is, this is where they, this is where they went right. Especially early on. And, the more I've watched these WCW pay-per-views, the more I'm just I'm fascinated by the NWO. And I am I've almost convinced myself that I'm going to go back and watch every single Nitro and pay-per-view from probably mid-1996 to see the formation of the NWO, and I'm just gonna watch right through all the way through to 1997. 
I've almost convinced myself that I'm going to do it. So if you follow the page on Instagram, Sunset Flips and Superkicks, Sunset Flips underscore Superkicks, I don't know what it is. Follow it if you don't already. And that's how you'll stay updated. You'll find out what I'm watching, what I'm doing. That's not the point. The point is the NWA. Right. And then they're talking about a third man. So where they went right was Hall and Nash had signed with WCW. But no one knew that they had signed with WCW. You've got Scott Hall coming through the crowd and jumping the barricade. That's the only thing. When he jumped the barricade that first night, no one stopped him. That was the that was the only thing. You know, maybe he could have done something a little bit different there, but still, it seemed real. Right? And then same with Kevin Nash. And then when they rocked up, they would come through the crowd. They wouldn't come through like the entrance way, which is very smart. And a lot of people thought that they still work for Vince McMahon. You know, I was listening to a podcast on this with Kevin Sullivan. And he said he had wrestlers coming up to him saying, you know, we're pretty sure they still work for Vince. He sent them here to destroy WCW. And he just laughed because that's exactly what they wanted to happen. And then you get to Great American Bash. They come out, Eric Bischoff cops a powerbomb through the stage for his troubles. And then they talk about the third man. Now, originally, they say Sting was the third man. And this is old school Sting, the California surface Sting, or whatever that was, which is my favorite version of Sting. Um, But the fact that it was Hogan made it that much better because the NWO should have been built as a faction of former WWF guys. So they got it right, those those three, especially when you get Hogan, the biggest name in wrestling at the time, possibly all time. If not, he's definitely top two because I'm not going to put him over my man Stone Cold Steve Austin that easily without a, without a fight. But the fact that it was him who ran the WWF in the 80s. And let's not forget that his heel turn is the greatest heel turn ever in wrestling. There will never be another heel turn like it. I don't care who turns heel. It will not be as big or as shocking as Hogan. If someone turns heel these days, I don't even, I wouldn't be able to tell you who the biggest baby baby face is. Let's go McIntyre. If he was to turn heel, not that, okay, but you also need fans for this situation. He turns heel, are the fans really going to throw shit in the ring at him? They're not going to. They didn't throw shit in the ring when Stone Cold turned heel and joined Vince McMahon at WrestleMania 17. Hogan, Nash and Hall got belted with garbage that night. Not only that night, almost every single week after that. And then the NWO became cool. You know, it was a... It was an inner promotion inside WCW. 
to destroy WCW. And this is why I want to go back and, and watch all this shit. Just to see what happens. Like, I want to know how the giant got in there. The only thing I can think of was because they were scared of the giant. They didn't want to fight him. So, he joined. But instead, why not have Macho Man and Luger? Former WWF guys. And then Bischoff comes out as the man behind it all. I'm not too sure when that is. Which is why I'm going to have to watch to find out. The more I talk, the percentage is going up on me watching 1996 WCW Nitro. From May onwards, I've watched up until March and that's just all Hogan on top beating up 10 guys at once. I can't do that. And I'm not going to talk about that. But that was also their downfall in the NWO. Because how many people were in the NWO at one time? There was probably a time when there was 20. You know, they had to split them up. They had to turn the NWO on each other. You know, just so there wasn't too many people in one group. And that's when they had the Wolfpack. But at the same time, if you weren't NWO, you know, you didn't really matter in the eyes of, I dare say, Bischoff. <coughs> you probably had a bit more freedom. Jericho's said that, that you had a bit more freedom to do what you wanted, but at the same time, you didn't have a lot of time to do it because probably half the TV time was going to the NWO. You know, so that was probably, that was, you know, that was the greatest thing about WCW, but it was also the worst thing about WCW. Talk about Bischoff. Yeah, I want to talk about Bischoff. <clears throat> this fourth string announcer from AWA. Rejected by WWF. Comes in. And all of a sudden. Is announcing. And they need a new executive producer. EP or whatever. And he gets it. And he turns a wrestling company. That was shit. Losing money. And profits $350 million one year. Like, how? The man is a genius. You know, he got the NWO. He got that idea from Japan. <clears throat> and obviously brought it to the States and convince the biggest name in wrestling, the biggest babyface ever, to be a bad guy. And it worked. Who else could have convinced Hulk Hogan, you got to turn heel, and for him to go for that? 
you know, there's there's obviously stories about Bischoff convinced him. Then there's stories about Hogan just said he was going to do it, you know, with the NWA turning heel. I think it was Bischoff convincing him needing a change. And it obviously worked. It obviously worked. You know. This guy went out on pay-per-view and caught out Vince McMahon to a fight. Who does that? You know, and then, you know, you got the guys from the old WWE guys like Hogan saying, Oh, that's that's not a good idea. You know, that's not a good idea, brother, because he's gonna come and yeah, you know, he's gonna come and he he will whip your ass. And Bischoff says, Yeah, I don't care. Where's it happening? It's happening on my pay per view. Think of that. You know, the fact that he just openly went after WWE and just didn't give a fuck. Like, how big are the balls on this guy? You know? Just just a genius. I don't have too much on Bischoff. I've got his book. His book is looking right at me. Controversy, Controversy creates cash. It's staring right at me. Easy. I love easy. He's the man. Look what he look what he did for WCW. Admittedly, he probably did have a blank checkbook where he could just pay how much he wanted to get WWF guys. Yeah, maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But yeah, it's a matter of opinion. That's my opinion. That's what I think. Bash at the Beach 2000. Let's talk about that. So, I don't know too much on this yet. But, you know, there's a lot of shit out there on it. It's basically Jarrett lying down for Hogan. Because Hogan didn't want to lose. It's that simple. That's not going to work for me, brother. That's why the name of this episode is called That's Not Going to Work for Me, Brother. <clears throat> you know, there's... Apparently it was a three-day quest to try to get this match to Hogan. The finish. That's not going to work for me, brother. That's not going to work for me, brother. <clears throat> You know, I've seen, you know, a few. I don't think Hogan's spoken about it. If he has, I haven't seen it. I've seen a quick thing on Jarrett, Booker T, I think Bischoff and Russo. The one that sticks out to mind is Russo, who I will probably talk about. I love Vince Russo. Not many people do. That's fine. I'm not going to get butthurt over it. <clears throat> um, but he was trying to get, you know, this match going and because they wanted Jeff Jarrett versus Booker T <clears throat> that was the match they wanted for Bash at the Beach but Hogan was the champion so they had to get the championship off 
No, no, Hogan wasn't champion. Jarrett was the champion. But Hogan, I think it was in Hogan's contract <coughs> that he had to wrestle. And obviously Hogan wanted a title match. And Hogan had creative control. Why you would give a wrestler with the ego the size of Hogan's creative control is beyond me. But <coughs> what do you do? What do you do? So obviously he wants to win. You know, what if we do this, Hogan? Well, that's not going to work for me, brother. And then Russo claims that he said, well, Hulk, I don't know what you want me to do. May as well just get Jarrett to lie down in the ring for you and that's it. There's your match. And Hogan goes, oh, that's, I like that. That's a good idea. <clears throat> Whether that's what exactly happened, I don't think anyone will ever know. You can always just leave it up to leave it up to your imagination. Think of the most craziest thing ever, and that's how it went down. So I'm basically going. Hogan rocked up an hour before the match. They don't know what they're doing, and then he goes to Bischoff. Well, this is what I want. I want Jeff Jarrett to lie down in the ring for me. I'm going to pin him one, two, three, and then that's it. You're never going to see me again. <coughs> Because apparently that, you know, that's, that's what happened. I think this was the last we saw of Hogan in WCW. Vince Russo came out and absolutely reamed him. Great shoot promo. Great shoot promo. And then Hogan didn't like it. <clears throat> the story goes, a lot of, you know, it's one of those things, the, one of the most controversial things in professional wrestling. You know, so obviously there's going to be 10 different sides to the story. And then you just got to, pick which one you want to believe the most I want to believe Vince Russo is the most I just do because the way he tells the story it's it's funny it's entertaining it intrigues me you know so he's obviously going to get Jarrett to lie down for him but then you know they sell it in the ring where Jarrett lies down and then Hogan's like no no come on don't do that don't do that and Russo's holding up the belt going there you go you want the belt there you go throws it at him pins him one two three that's it. Jarrett doesn't sell the pin for. Um, then, you know, storms out the back or whatever. And then Russo comes out later and says, you know, Hogan's a piece of shit. You'll never see him again and this and that. And then Hogan sued him. You know, with the plan, they say, Russo says the plan was that it's going to go down and then Russo's going to come out, bash Hogan on the mic, and, you know, everything's going to be sweet. Hook, line, and sink. You know, that's what they said. And then Hogan sues. Defamation of character or whatever. Basically has a cry. That's the Hulk Hogan way. Don't get your way. Well, call up Uncle Ted Turner and get that sorted. Let's talk about Hogan. <clears throat> Him going, jumping, 1994. It's the, again, you know, Hogan's a part of, you know, some of the greatest sins in professional race, wrestling you got to give him that the greatest heel turn possibly the greatest jump ever you know Hogan was a WWF guy this was you know Vince McMahon's guy you know his character his attraction I guess then he goes and signs for WCW when Bischoff takes over like that's just that's crazy the only thing that I can think of that compares, and it's not, I don't, I don't think it's as big of a deal, 
but it's when Jericho went to AEW. But if Jericho had started out in WWE, WWF, rather than being a no-name in ECW, WCW, and in New Japan, well then, you know, you could create an argument for it. But that's the only thing that I can think of. Possibly Moxley, but Jericho has a much bigger name than Moxley. So when Hogan jumps, it's the greatest thing ever. And in typical Hulk Hogan fashion, first match, well, it's got to be for the title against Ric Flair. And regardless of how good Ric Flair is, you've got to give the title to Hogan. So I've heard some things on it saying, like, it's the right thing to do because when you've got a name like Hulk Hogan, that's what you have to do. I don't know. I'm always a firm believer in earning it, but you, know, you got to do what you got to do. It's you know biggest thing in biggest thing in wrestling. So I don't know. I mean, looking back, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna trash and shit on it now, like because it worked. You know, but it just would have been nice to see Ric Flair get a few few more wins over Hogan than he did um, and a lot less DQ finishes because and Eric Bischoff has said that they did not know how to do finishes they couldn't get finishes right in WCW for six years and that is true that is true I mean a lot of big name matches just in DQs because Hogan didn't want to lose Hogan didn't want to lose Um, <clears throat> what about Goldberg? Let's talk about Goldberg, shall we? Bill Goldberg, 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 hundred and seventy three and oh. I mean. I'm just going to sum up Goldberg like this. Go watch the episode on Nitro where he wrestled Lord Steven Regal. That's it. That's really all I want to say on Goldberg. I will say some more. Obviously, I think Goldberg was misused in WCW. Um, but he was 173-0. and He ran through everybody. You know? He was just... He was rushed in. <clears throat> he was rushed in to WCW. The main spot, you know, the spotlight, just come in and absolutely dominate. Let's see when he came in. William Scott Goldberg. September. Okay, so September 97. Isn't that funny that, you know, this guy that they bring in, basically the next big thing in professional wrestling, comes in and has a bald head and a goatee and wrestles in black trunks? Because wasn't there a guy by the name of Stone Cold Steve Austin on the other channel, Raising Hell, as much as possible? I mean, think about it. September. 
that's roughly around the same time that Austin McMahon started their feud. I mean, Austin had been feuding with the Hart Foundation for how long? You know, and it was becoming pretty obvious that Stone Cold was the next guy. And then Goldberg just comes out of nowhere. Bold head, goatee, massive upper body, chicken legs, with his plain black trunks, black knee pads and black boots. That's no coincidence. That is no coincidence. Get the similarities. Make them look the same and then people might think they're the same person. Who knows? Here's the thing about Goldberg. He couldn't wrestle. He couldn't wrestle. He was not good at all. Couldn't do it. Why do you think his matches were one, two, maybe three minutes? Because the longer you have his matches, the more obvious it is that he has no idea what he's doing. Hence why I recommend watching Goldberg versus Stephen Regal. No. And then <clears throat> the Hogan match. Three days notice on Nitro. That's how important the ratings were to WCW considering they're already winning. Like, it didn't matter. Why you would not put this on pay-per-view is beyond me. Think of the pay-per-view buys. How much money you would have made just on pay-per-view sales alone if you had done Hogan Goldberg right. With a build. With a solid six-week build where he just takes out every single member of the NWO. I mean, he probably had already done that. But then now they're doing it for Hogan to protect Hogan and his belt. Instead, you shotgun it. And that's it. I mean, why? That's what I say, just misused. Wasn't trained properly. 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 And had, had no idea what he was doing. Couldn't talk. Could barely work. Couldn't sell. <clears throat> it looked like it was a struggle for him to sell because he truly believed he didn't have to. As Scott Hall said, Goldberg was a mark for himself. 100%. You know, no one had given him the time to give him the proper tools to help him dominate. I mean, he did dominate but you know like I said they were in quick matches to hide his weaknesses you know he did a little shoulder tackle then he did a little backflip where he did a handstand and whatever which is just the weirdest shit ever a spear and a jackhammer a couple of punches you know shaking his head going and coming out with security so you know what about uh, Starcade 98 you know, watch WCW, you must know. What do you think of that? What do you think of the way Goldberg lost? 
I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. No, but seriously, it had to be done. You know, do whatever you got to do, I guess, you know, to keep Goldberg strong. You know, you tase him, you cheat him out of the title, fucking whatever. <laughs> you know, Scott Hall comes out with a taser. Nash is champion. Right. <clears throat> you know, not much on that yet from my end. But that leads to 1999, January 4th. I don't know, I just made that up. Could be right, could be wrong. The Finger Poker Doom. <coughs> so, I think the episode of Nitro, Nash was going to give Goldberg his rematch, but Miss Elizabeth was claiming that Goldberg was stalking her. So he basically spent the entire Nitro episode at the police station. And then Hogan comes back, and Nash gives Hogan a match for the WCW Championship on Nitro. And this was the first time Hogan had won a title when his opponent lied down for him. That's why I give Hogan no credibility for being the greatest WCW champion of all time, or even top five, uh, because two of them, his opponents lied down for him. So, And Nash did that. Nash did that, and it was probably in Hogan's contract. Hogan had creative control. So, and Hogan probably didn't want to wrestle Nash the same way he didn't want to wrestle Bret Hart. I'm surprised he wanted to wrestle Goldberg. You know why he wanted to wrestle Goldberg? Because he saw how big of a star Goldberg was becoming, and Hogan wanted to make money. Which is fair enough. I can't, I can't fault a man for wanting to make money. It's a business after all. But, you know, probably didn't want to wrestle Nash. So have Nash lie down for him. Finger poker doom. One of the most famous things in wrestling history. There's a lot of things in WCW where you just go, well, fuck. That's one of the biggest things in wrestling history. And what happened there? <clears throat> so then, I believe the plan was Hogan Goldberg two. You know they were gonna they were gonna get there. It was probably gonna be on pay per view this time. Who knows? But Goldberg, being the mark for himself, as Scott Hall likes to say, didn't like things he was hearing about himself and part of a storyline I can't remember what it was but someone had gotten in a car or a limo and it was just meant to drive off but Goldberg being the hero that Goldberg had to be decided to put his fist through the window shattered his hand and couldn't work for six months and robbed everyone of Hogan versus Goldberg too because Goldberg's a big, tough man. Nothing can hurt Goldberg. Hurts himself. Robs everyone of Hogan versus Goldberg. Number two. And we never see it. Just quickly on Goldberg. Why did he main event a pay-per-view against Chronic? 
in a handicap match. Why? Why is that a main event? Yeah. What about Sting? Let's talk about Sting. When you talk WCW, <clears throat> serious question. When you hear the three letters WCW, who is the one wrestler that comes to mind? To you. I'm asking you. <clears throat> for me, it's Sting. Actually, for me, it's Ric Flair. But I think... I really think it should be Sting. Now, I'm just talking WCW. I've just... I'm rambled on for about 40 minutes here on stuff that makes no sense other than I just wanted to talk about this stuff. It's obviously mainly just the Nitro days. So you look at all the names that they had during that time. Hogan, Flair, Sting, Savage, um, Luger. Who else was there? I don't know. The rest of the Steiners, Harlem Heat. Now we're getting somewhere. Um, But you want to talk about... Sting was the franchise. He was the franchise for a reason because he never left. Flair left for about a year in 91, 92 over contract disputes with, I think, Jim Hurd when he was in charge back in the day. But Sting never left. So I honestly think, not that there's a right answer to that question, but the right answer is Sting. I just think. But I still think, I still think Flair, but, you know, Sting was the guy. But, you know, I'm a big fan of Sting back in the day. But when you talk about the Nitro days, Sting is remembered for the crow. Right? And how many people honestly know that the crow idea was Scott Hall's? Turning into the crow, Scott Hall's idea. Why? I honestly believe because of a guy on the other channel known as The Undertaker. I watched Starcade 97, the first time Sting came out. You know, that entrance was, was pretty cool, you know, the, the music and, and whatnot. The lights, and I'm just thinking this is a ripoff of The Undertaker. And that's probably what happened. Take as much as you can that you can use off the Undertaker and use it, rip it off. That's what I believe. <clears throat> you know. What would have been if he never became the Crow character? What would have happened if he was the third man? Who knows? Who knows? Um, what else? Let's see if I can get one more thing out. <coughs> the, let's talk about the Monday Night Wars, just quickly. You know, I've started watching that again. I can never get past the Goldberg episode. I mean, I did, and now I'm up to the Rock episode, and I haven't watched it since. I just can't get past them. That's just me. Anyway. And Monday night was the best time 
to be a wrestling fan, I think, before today. You know, 2020, 2019, AEW, WWE, Impact, Ring of Honor, blah, 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 all the internet. Back then, wrestling was so hot. You know, I think you had 10 million people watching a night across two channels. You know, and, you know, WCW was the first to, you know, separate themselves. Make it reality-based, you know. Eric Bischoff used Sasa. Don't know what it is. Watch the Eric Bischoff documentary or look it up. Okay? I don't have time to go through it. Cutting the fine here. You know, the cruiserweights. Bischoff bringing in the cruiserweights, which is, you know, what I loved about WCW. Cruiserweights were my favourites. You know, Mysterio, Kidman, Hoovy. Yeah, I'm not going to... Yeah talk about my favorites right now if i get into it i get into it just talk about the wars you know the fact that wcw changed the times whereas wwf still just went the i guess the comedic route you know you know you still got all these dumb characters and you know garbage men and dentists and hillbillies and clowns and you know whatever when WCW's got you know a couple of guys coming in with baseball bats tearing the absolute fuck out of everyone in the site you know so that's one thing that that separated them and it worked for them because they won the wars for 83 weeks in a row You know, Bischoff would go out, would want to go on air two minutes before WWF Raw so he could give away the results because Raw was taped and Nitro was live. You know, just didn't give a fuck. Like I said before, how big were the balls on this guy? Didn't care. Ted Turner's money behind him. He don't give a fuck. I'm challenging you to a match with Vince McMahon. What if he comes? What's he going to do? You know, he's going to do it on my show. Whatever. You know. But they couldn't capitalize. Because what happened? Who's still around today? Yeah, That's just a friendly reminder. I like to remind people of when they like to talk up WCW. You know, who's who's still around today? You know, WCW could never capitalize on that success because they were still too invested on the NWA. You know, and I think Starcade 97 was the beginning of the end, I think. You know, because what happened after Starcade? They had to save themselves, so they vacated the title. Rather than give Sting a run. And the belt ended up on Hogan again anyway. So... You know, what's the point? You know, they rely too much on Hogan. Hogan was there four pay-per-views a year, I'm pretty sure. He was Brock Lesnar before Brock Lesnar. But they couldn't stop Austin. They couldn't. They had nothing. Because they didn't know how to do finishes. They didn't know what they were doing. when it comes down to it because when the competition heated up 
Well, Vince McMahon took Eric Bischoff's formula and showed him how to use it. That's, that's what happened. You look at DX. DX is essentially the NWO. Except what happened? They expanded on it. You know, I think there was five people in there, not 55. You know, you want to talk about the realism. Austin McMahon. You know? Sting. Sting want to come close to the Undertaker. And on that, this is the match that everyone's wanted for so long. I don't think it would have been as good as everyone would have thought. I don't think so. If that match was supposed to happen, probably in the 90s. You know, Sting vs. Triple H at that WrestleMania. Was it WrestleMania 31? 32? 31. Let's go with 31. You know, it's too late. It's too late. So everyone wants to talk about, you know, well, WCW was on top for 83 weeks. You know, they dominated. But no one seems to remember that WWF had about 130 weeks on top. And it wasn't just on top. It was embarrassing. It was getting to the stage where it was embarrassing for WCW because they just had nothing in the end. You know, I didn't even get to talk about Russo. Then again, maybe that's a good thing. I love Vince Russo, but you know, what nice things would I have to say about him in WCW? What did he do for WCW? You know, when him and Bischoff teamed up, no one thought they would have seen that on TV anyway, whether they got along behind the scenes or not. I don't think so but they stripped everyone of the titles you know it was the new the new blood in the millionaires club well, it's terrible Judy Bagwell on a pole match or on a forklift match what are these guys doing you know <clears throat> and then there's the invasion in 2001 where you know WWF did that to themselves they should have never done that in 2001 half the fucking talent was contracted to Turner not WCW that's why they just sat at home got paid until 2002 when their contracts were up and they needed money You know, WWF got, got rorted in that sense. Because the top, top guys contracted to Turner. And all the other guys were contracted to WCW. So, you know, that's why the biggest star was Booker T. Nothing against Booker T. I loved Booker T back in the day. But he was the biggest star when really he wasn't. Imagine... Imagine the invasion. <clears throat> I mean, this... 
I don't even know if this would have worked. Maybe just leave it the way it is. But imagine the invasion with Hogan, Nash, Hall, Sting, Macho Man, Goldberg, Scott Steiner. You know, all these names. They would have had to have done WWF versus the Alliance, obviously versus the NWA, because that's just the way it was. And then, also, would have Hogan had been able to have had creative control if it was part of his contract in WWF? We got robbed of Austin Hogan. I'm just going to leave it there. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, yeah, I've got nothing else. I'm going to leave it there. Thank you. Um, follow on Instagram. Use the hashtag, hashtag um, SFSKpod. I think that's what it is. Instagram, Sunset Flips and Super Kicks. Find out how long until I start watching WCW. Week by week by week. It's coming. It's, it's coming. It's only a matter of time.